Praise the Lord, everyone. I'll tell you what we're going to do before we ever get started. This morning when we anointed the, the papers, I, I never pray this way, but immediately I prayed against the spirit of suicide. And uh, it just came to me out of nowhere. I, I know we're, we've been dancing and shouting and say, oh, Brother Barry, that's par for the course for you. That's just, I'm, I'm just me. I don't know nobody that's on that list. I don't know no situations going on. Even when the list is handed to me, I don't look at it. It's just not who I am. Didn't think any more about it, and tonight we touched the list immediately. So before we go into this message tonight, we're going to pray and we're going to come against that spirit. You say in the apostolic church, brother, it's the enemy's good pleasure to take somebody out of the church and in a moment of weakness take them down a path that they can't come back from. But it said it's not his will that any should perish. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that includes the spirit of suicide. So we're going to pray right now before we get started. We're going to come against that. Uh, Jesus, we bind every spirit of suicide that would come against this church. Uh, anyone connected to this church that is on the prayer list. Uh, God, we're asking you right now to touch and to minister and to bless like only you can do. Uh, we plead the blood of Jesus. Uh, we bind it in the name of Jesus, knowing that you're more than able. Uh, we curse it in Jesus' name. Uh, God, we come against it right now. Uh, let your power and authority be real tonight in the house of God. Uh, God, as you move and minister like only you can do. God, we plead the blood of Jesus right now. Oh, we claim victory right now in the name of Jesus. We claim it right now in your name, Jesus. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Oh, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Moore. I don't plan to be very long tonight, I don't think. You say, well, it's been so long, Brother Barry. You've probably been building them up. I've been, I've been getting them ready and folding them and putting them back in the Bible. So I told Brother Ford this morning, he asked me if I was ready. I said, well, I think so. We'll just, we'll see if we get there. But thank you, Pastor Moore. Thank you to the church for staying consistent and uh, faithful to the house of God. So it's good to be here tonight. Brother Ford, man, I heard raving reviews on you this morning on the way home. I think my daughter said something like, Brother Ford did wonderful this morning. I wouldn't normally use that word, but I think that's what she said. She said, I could listen to him when he's like that for hours. Just did a great job. And then I said, I said, it's because he loves the written word of God so much that when he begins to expound it, it comes alive. And she said something like this, and I ain't trying to embarrass her. She says, that's it. And she says, I, I can't even talk about it. I might cry. So you just be encouraged and just keep doing what you're doing. We'll if you have your Bibles, return me to Isaiah chapter 53. Stay with me. Isaiah 53. Again in verse 1, who hath believed a report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. If you turn me to Matthew chapter 27, there's a lot of scriptures I would like to read tonight, but I will not. Time, my reading will be lengthy enough as is. Matthew 27, begin reading at verse 55. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, of Josias, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimath, named Joseph, who himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. All four Gospels has an account of this same thing, and so, so let me just briefly clarify in all of them. Nicodemus also accompanied Joseph and what would take place on this horrible evening. And the, the women, they was, to my, my count there, there was about four of the women that was there. And it says in several of them that Pilate gave the body of Jesus to Joseph. And the best of my study and the reading of all four Gospels was it means that he allowed him to have the body. He didn't physically give him the body, but he, he released the body into their possession that they could do with it as they, they would. So that's basically the sum of all four counts in the gospel. And as I go on, you'll realize the importance of me just telling you that. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. And uh, I'm going to minister tonight. Man, it may not be called preaching. I may just tell you an old, old, very important story out of the Bible. By the help of the Holy Ghost for just a little bit, I'm going to minister Conformed by his death. Conformed by his death. Pastor, could you pray? Lord, we love you tonight. We appreciate you so much. We're so thankful for your presence. The touch of God. The lives that have been ministered and touched to. We're so thankful for the very ministry tonight. Your spokesman, God, to speak into our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Give us an ear to hear it and a heart to understand it. Lord, Jesus, you're good. Lord bless you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you. You're good. There's, there's gaps that isn't told here. And if you will give me liberty tonight to, to fill in some of those gaps. And uh, this has been on my heart for several, several weeks now. And it's, uh, and it's, it, it, it's, it's got to where it happens often that, that during the services here that I will something will strike me and I'll, I'll write it down and then I'll attempt to go back later into, uh, I've learned 
not just with age, but it's always been the case that uh, when I do get the thought, I write as many details down as possible to let, me, let myself know what those thoughts mean when I go back to them. If not, they're just scribbling. You know, it's just... Uh... But here we are. The night was heavier and thicker than usual. There was something in the night, I wouldn't call it excitement, but I would call it an anxiousness and heaviness and even a dread. The night was silent all but self, that moaning and groaning from the one lone figure who was praying like his life depended upon it. And then there was sometimes the whispering of the disciples and then the the silence that would come from the disciples that were to be praying that they not fall into temptation. And it's, uh, but not far away, the city was noisy and boisterous as the travelers that came in from everywhere, from all parts for the celebration that would be there. The, most of them not knowing what the night really held and what the future would hold. Only one man knew for sure exactly what was happening and that was the man Christ Jesus. Uh, the disciples for some reason with all the stories about the man, the son of God being betrayed, it, he, they couldn't get a hold of it and they couldn't grasp it. They, it would escape them. So, so the night uh, wasn't quite is important to them. It was different. It was awkward. It was, it was not what they was used to. But, uh, but so it was that then they began to hear the other sound coming. It's the scuffling uh, of the sandaled feet and the noise and the clank of the swords and the, the things that are going on. And, and then arise the angry mob upon the scene of the prayer meeting. And uh, everybody is caught off guard except for Jesus. Uh, he knew that they was coming. He knew what to expect. And uh, it was when they got there we know the story the solemn story how Judas kisses him and betrays him with a kiss and uh, then all of a sudden things begin to get a little chaotic as they as they grabbed a hold of Jesus and I'm sure for just a moment of time something rose up on the inside of Peter and said not my master you don't touch him like that and the scuffling ensued and maybe Jesus was pushed to the ground and it was more than Peter could stand so he grabbed the sword and he made the violent swing and removed the ear of Malchus, the servant. Maybe Jesus gets up and steadies himself and maybe he wipes the first trickle of blood from his lip from the fall. And places the ear of Malchus back on him. Then the accusations begin to be strong and slung. And the, the disciples now have seen something's different. And they're getting nervous. And, and the next thing you read, it says that all of his disciples betrayed him and left him. They left him alone. And Jesus seemed to be calm. And they began to question him and push him and slap him and spit upon him. And then they take and they leave the scene of the garden. They go to Caiaphas's house. And Ananias, the former high priest, was there. He would take and he would lead the questioning. And so they questioned on and on. Do I claim to be the son of God? Are you truly the king of the Jews? And on and on. And false witness after false witness would come. When he wouldn't answer them, they would smite him. They would backhand him. Until finally two came that said that we heard him say that in three days he would tear the temple down. And he could raise it again. And they began to question him about it. 
Lord. And he began to say, thou sayest, and thou say that I am the son of God and that I am the king of the Jews. And so they say, you hear the blaspheming? What more do we need to hear from this man? So there they take and they smite him and spit upon him continually. And it says they take him to Pilate's hall. And there they put him at the judgment seat, hoping that Pilate would make quick work of him. And they began to tell Pilate what it is that he's there for. Pilate immediately picks up that it's envy and jealousy that has brought him to this place. And he began to question Jesus himself. Are thou really the king of the Jews as thou sayest? And then it goes on. He says, thou speakest truth. And he says, what is truth. And a little later on, the wife of Pilate comes and says, leave that just man alone. Said, I have taken and suffered many things this night and dreams because of this just man. Don't lay your hand to him. Don't shed that innocent blood. And so it is. Pilate continues to try to release him and continues to question them. And he said because he knew it was out of envy that he was able to release a prisoner. So he got the very worst one that he could think of, which was Barabbas. He was the scum. He was the one that had murdered and raped and pillaged the Jews. And nobody liked him. He says, surely this will be my way out so I do not have to do anything to this man, Jesus. And they say, he said, who will you take? Will you take Barabbas or Jesus? And they said, give us Barabbas. And he couldn't believe what was going on. And finally he washed his hands. He says, I'm washing my hands of this innocent blood from this just man. And for some reason, and I hear all kinds of things, it says that Pilate took him and scourged him. If he thought he was that innocent, how could they take and brutally beat a man so bad that they would hit him with the whips that had the bone and the iron and the glass in it to when it would wrap around him, it would pull the flesh from his body. I've heard that he was hoping that when the Jews would see it that they would say to themselves oh it's enough punishment we will let him go now scriptures aren't real clear but it says that after that he delivers Jesus into the Jews and says take him he's yours to crucify and it says that the soldiers then take him into a room and they strip him of his raiment and they take and they put the scarlet robe upon him they put the staff in the reed in his hand and it said they planted the crown of thorns the long thorns and they placed them on his head and then this is what they begin to say that they hit him on the head with the reed and you think that's kind of odd but they was driving the thorns into his brow and they would mock him and bow before him and say hail king of the Jews and they spit on him and hit him and they beat on his back that was already bloody and beaten. And so it was. They said they took the scarlet robe off of him. And put his clothing back on him. And took him out. And would take him up the hill to crucify him. Now because of the loss of blood. From being whipped by Pilate. He's too weak to carry the member of the cross. So they take and they grab one. I think it was Simon. And they said you'll take and you'll carry the cross up the hill. 
And so it is, they take him up Calvary's hill. They get him there and they take and they place him, stripping him down naked to be open and shamed before everybody. And they take and they drive the spikes into his hands and they drive it through his feet and they erect the cross. And now the very Jesus of Nazareth is hanging between heaven and earth. And now he begins to take and his body begins to suffer at his own. He begins to struggle to breathe now. His diaphragm can't push. And so it is that the scientists and the medical doctors begin to say that his organs begin to fail and his diaphragm begin to rip from his chest and no longer able to push the oxygen out. So the blood begins to coagulate. And so it is. Now his body is poisoning itself. And now as he hangs there in pain, remember he's just a man. Even though he's all God, he's mere mortal man as he hangs there. And there he hangs as the tears, I'm sure, flows. And the mucus is running down his face. It says that he begins to lose all signs of being able to control his bodily functions. You say, Brother Barry, that's nasty. That's a reality. That's what happened to our Savior on a cross. Nobody ever said it was pretty. Nobody ever said that it was something to be glamorous. And so it was as he's there. He's suffering. He can't breathe. The pain is too much. And so it is. The day draws on. And it says he gets to the point. He says, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? And they hear him and they take and they get the vinegar, the sponge full of vinegar and they lift it up to him as a mockery. Some says it has myrrh in it that would take and ease the pain, but he wouldn't accept it. But there he was dying. The earth was shaken. The sun hit his face because it knew what was happening. And it said that he gave up the ghost. And there he hung. The evening was drawing late. And they needed to get him off the cross. So it was by the soldiers would come. And if the, the victims there were not dead yet. That they would break their legs. So the hanging would take and suffocate them. When they could no longer push themselves up. To catch a breath. They got to Jesus. The man's dead. Why the brutality and the meanness? Except the scriptures be fulfilled. That soldier would take and plunge that sword into his side. And now the entrails begin to pour out the side. As he hangs there dead. And this is where I want to preach for just a little bit. It says that the women stood afar off looking. What was Mary saying? Did she have to say? Why do they have to do that with the spear? Was it enough that he suffered already? Why do they have to keep mocking? Why do they have to keep ridiculing? He never did anything wrong. And Joseph of Aramaeus, he goes to Pilate. He says, he's dead already. Just give me the body. Just give me the body and I'll do something with it. Let me have the body to tend to. Let me get it down. Let me get the nakedness off the cross. 
Let me get it down. There are people. His mother's there. His disciples are there. Can we at least bury him with some kind of sanctity? And it says that Pilate, knowing that he was dead, released the body unto him. Now someone has to get him off the cross. Someone has to remove the nails from his hands. Somebody has to remove the nails from his feet. Said Nicodemus was there and the ladies was there. They had to watch him die. The man that had risen the dead. The man that had spoken to wine. To water and it turned to wine. The one that loved and out of compassion had healed everyone. They watched him brutally beat and murdered. And now it was up to them to remove the mangled, bloody, beaten body from the cross. Can you imagine who it is that has to pull the nails out of his hands? Do you know the struggle that would be there to remove the spikes from his feet? And this is the man they loved that they so gently tried to lower him down and tried to bring him down. And maybe now that when he's on the ground, he's there and the dust begins to stick to the blood that is on him. And maybe Mary Magdalene's back at his feet again. And maybe now as the tears fall as they did before, this time the blood and the dust runs. And maybe it comes to her mind and her senses. The spikener that was just applied a few days ago. And imagine Mary, Jesus' mother. She says, can we clean him up before we bury him? Nicodemus is there with a hundred pounds of spikener. He said, no, we'll anoint him and we're wrapping. You can come back later and clean him up. We've got to get him in the tomb before the soldiers come back to us. And they said, but I want to kiss him. One more time. I want to touch him one more time before you wrap him and before you bury him. And I know y'all want me to get him in the tomb and get to the resurrection, but we're not going to the resurrection tonight. I've seen the backsliders dance in the power of his resurrection and never be changed. I've seen the sinners dance and shout and speak in tongues per se in the power of his resurrection. But it's us, the church, that struggles now in this world that we're living in. You want to know why the carnality is beginning to rock the church? And we look around and we say, not in the apostolic church, Philippians said, to be made conformable unto his death. That means to be consistent with his death death in likeness or in nature of his death and as he lay there on the ground that was the only part of God that could have ever sinned if it would have sinned that was the only part of God that could ever feel shame and pain and hurt that was the only nature of God that could have ever failed and come up short and there it lay dead and bleeding on the ground you say brother Barry that was God yeah but that was man that was just mere mortal man laying there he was dead as anybody had ever been dead before he hurt when he was
was on the cross. He bled when he was on the cross. He was ashamed when he was on the cross when they looked at his nakedness. And I know what it's like to come into an apostolic church and the power and the anointing that we felt a minute ago begins to move. And it will stir us. It stirred me, Pastor. And I can leave out of here dancing and I can go out the back doors and I'm still not changed. I've realized through all of this pandemic and everything that's going on, I realize, Pastor, I'm not nearly as dead as I need to be. Oh, yeah, I've got it down pat. I can tell you what I say every time I pray. Lord, forgive me for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And everything that I've committed outside of your word, I say it every single time I pray. And sometimes it feels good. And sometimes it don't feel nothing. But you know what? I'm not living consistently with the death of Jesus Christ. I'm not living in a place where Marcus Berry from the old is still dead. You want to know how I know that? I wouldn't say the things that I say. I wouldn't hurt you with my words so easily like I do. If the old man was dead, the man laying there on the ground, he couldn't speak evil. He couldn't speak hurtful words, but he was dead. But you know what we preach? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know it's the initial repentance. Dying out to the old man. But pastor, that's just one step. We've got to stay there. Paul said, I die daily. You want to know what was laying there on the ground and the man Christ Jesus as he was dying and dead? It was ever shameful thing that you've ever done. It was ever sin that you've ever committed. Every evil thing you've ever said. Laying there was every shameful little child that's ever been molested. It was every wife that's ever been done wrong. Every man that's been hurt when he was left. Every pain, every hurt was lying there on the ground. That's why it says you got to be consistent with his death. Oh, we say, well, it's just about the Holy Ghost and it is. But pastor... You said it this morning. There's no way, or maybe Brother Ford did. You can take and pour that new wine into an old vessel. And as long as that vessel's old, it will continue to burst and it will bleed out. But let me tell you something. If something would get a hold of this church tonight that says, you know what? I'm not living to myself anymore. I'm not living like the old man anymore. Well, Brother Barry, we've got to live. We got to work. We got to. I got it. I understand. But not the old me. It doesn't have to be the old Marcus. It could be the one that says, you know what? There's something on the inside of me that alive and well. It's not the old man, but it's the new man. The old man died. I've been made conformable into his death. You want to know why it is? You want to know why it is that men in the apostolic church are leaving? Leaving their families behind, going to look for a more exciting life. The old man's not dead. You know what's forcing our wives to do this and do that because the men are doing this and doing that because the old man's not dead. Pastor, you would never have to counsel. You could preach just exciting stuff all the time 
if all that was here was a bunch of dead people. It was made conformable into his death. How would you like to have been there that night with the Lord and had to help with that bloody, broken body? Sister Moore, come. I'm not going to be long. I'm getting to where I want to be. When I was putting this together and I was praying this evening, the only thing that came to my mind was when it says to go back to your first love. As I've preached this message, I've seen, maybe I've done a bad job, but I've seen very, very few wet eyes. I can remember a time when just the mention of what they did to him on Calvary would wait, make me weep uncontrollably when I realized exactly what he had done for me. Hey, baby, you know why you got a testimony tonight that God brought you from sexual abuse to here and you can stand proud in his presence? Because there was a bloody figure laying dead on the ground that had been removed from a cross. You want to know why you got a testimony tonight that you can overcome? Oh, you can, you can go through the whole gamut of what God's did for you. But it's because it's a sacrifice that lay there dead. If everybody would stand tonight. This is what I want to happen tonight in this place. I don't, I don't need all the singers up here unless Sister Moore says. I want to turn this church in tonight to a big prayer room. We need to make this a big altar of sacrifice tonight. Let me tell you about Marcus Berry. I find the old Marcus Berry... Alive way too much. People say, you're a preacher. You need, to, you need to be better than that. Pray for me, pastor. I'm trying. But I'm just a man. But what I found out, Brother Ferguson, I can leave a red hot apostolic service. And I can be just as carnal on Monday morning. That was, I was before the service started. But pastor, there's been some nights here, even by myself, when I went to a place called Calvary. And it doesn't easily wear off. It doesn't easily go away. It does something to me, Sister War. I love the shout. I love the dance. I love all, I'm not against that. We're apostolic. That's who we are. But pastor, I got to be changed. Do you got, do y'all realize what's going on in the world? Do you realize what's really happening in the world that we're in? You think this is all going to level out and we're going to be okay at the end? I say, people, get ready. Jesus is coming. 
And he's coming after dead people. That are dead to the old man. As she begins to play, these altars are open. Say, Brother Barry, well, this, this is not what I expected. Let me help you here. When you find a place to play, pray, don't let it be like it's always been. Hey, you want to find a way back to Calvary? Let him know, hey, God, I, I've got to be changed. I've got to be rearranged. I, I can't be who I used to be. I don't want to be who I used to be. We are alive tonight simply because he died. We've been made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But our testimony is we live because he died. Come on. Come on, church. The world's counting on us. Your family's counting on you. Hey, mama. Hey, daddy. Them babies, they're counting on you to be the real Christian that you ought to be. Come on, Jesus. God, I'm asking you right now that your anointing and your power move. God, I'm asking you right now that your authority begin to move into this place, into this house right now. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to take and to tear down every wall. God, I'm asking you, Lord, right now to take and to tear down who we are. God, allow us right now, Jesus, God, to submit our will unto you. God, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would take and inundate this place right now. God, that you would pour out your power and your anointing and your authority. Jesus, move right now. God, stir us right now in the Holy Ghost. Jesus, there's nobody like you. Come on, Jesus, we love you. Come on, Jesus, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your name. Oh, there's nobody like you, Jesus. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Move right now. Minister right now in the Holy Ghost. Come on, Jesus. We need you right now, Jesus. Help us right now to lay off the old man. To lay aside the old man. Help us to be stirred. Help us to be moved again the way we were once moved. Help us to be challenged tonight in the Holy Ghost. God, help us tonight to get a vision of who you are. God, help us to get a vision tonight of the price that you paid. God, help us, oh Lord. God, to submit to you. To die out to you right now, Jesus. Come on, church, let's get real with them tonight. Come on, church, let's lay it all aside tonight. Come on, let's die out. Let's die out to the old man. Come on, there needs to be some crying. There needs to be some dying out. There needs to be some pain and agony as the old man goes away. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, Holy Ghost. 
to the place Take me back analogy this morning is Sunday school class and it fits in tonight that when Jesus came to you he came as a bride or as a groom a husbandman looking for his betrothed. And it's as though he got down on his knees and said, Would you like to be my bride? And when you said, I will, he said, well, I'll take all that that you are. 
and all that you've ever been. And I'll become that. I'll be that. And I'll take it to that tree. And when I've paid the price, I'm going to take care of it forever and bury it in the ground. Would you please be my bride? Calvary says, I'll do anything for you. And so your lesson today the man of God says when you get your vessels borrow not a few take what you have and when you get what you have you and your sons go into your home and shut fast those doors. And because of your obedience to the word of God that the man of God spoke, voices whose voice are you listening to. And when you shut yourself in, where there's no distractions and nobody else around. And everything is lost to you except the pouring of the oil. Except the hearing the word of God and obedience saying, I'll pour oil into vessels. As long as everything else is shut out. And there's no interference and nobody sees and nobody knows. The oil just continues to flow. And until we get to that place where we can shut out all the clamoring of what's going on around us and shut that door and get in that place. And we're alone with the Word of God and what he's given us to do. Only when you can remove from yourself all of the things of this present world except him and his command and his word. Only then will you see the miraculous and the glory and the provision and all the greatness of God manifested. I'll take everything that you are. I'll become that. So you can be my bride. I'll pay the price. Who, me? Talking about me. Oh, yeah. I just want a bride. I've searched the world over. Nobody can get me one but myself. And 
he's down on his knees as though it were saying, will you marry me? And if you say I will, he's going to make everything brand new. And only God can do that. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Are you willing to shut everything out and hear only the voice of God? Are you willing to be obedient? Obedience is better than sacrifice and hearken better than the fat of rams. You can know it all and profess a lot, but until you act and do, it's of no avail. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back. That bloody beaten body is at the right hand of the majesty on high today. It is your intercessor. It is your go-between. It's your mediator. You only get to God through that sacrifice, through that blood. Thank you, Brother Barry, for causing us to remember the high price that was paid. Everybody help us say it one time. Say, take me back. Sing it. Say. To the old rugged cross. Take me back. Take me back. To where the blood flows. Take me back. To where my sin.
wonder if he thought about four thousand years prior as he looked down at the first atom that he formed out of the dust of the ground and you. Four thousand years later there was going to be a second atom. It's nothing like a visual. I've heard the report of first responders pulling up on an accident and pulling up to an, a, a situation where there's bodies that are mutilated and torn apart. And that's the last wreck they drive up on or come, come a part of because they can't get it out of their minds. They can't get away from the visual of it. And it keeps them up at the nighttime of seeing how torn and mutilated. Or of an incident of a little six-year-old girl that somebody had adopted, took her body and smothered and strangled her and put her in a trash bag and dumped her out under an old oak tree. One of the reporters, the lady said, said, I just can't quite get my mind around that. Anybody could take the body of, and put them in a trash bag and just lay them out under an oak tree. It pays us well to remember what was preached to us tonight. The price that was paid. You know why we enjoyed such a powerful touch and a move of God and begin the service and a ministering touch in hearts and souls because of a broken body called Jesus Christ made a way that you and I as Gentiles could come and enjoy such opportunities like this. Let's don't forget it. Let's don't let it slip away from us because if you can get a visual of that body in those moments when lust wants to move in, and compromise wants to move in. And letting up wants to move in. If you can just get a visual of the body. <laughs> That's the reason some people of this country. Needs to go back and study their history. And the price that was paid that brought this country where it's at. Amen. The lives that were sacrificed. The blood that was spilt. To give us the liberty and freedom we got. They wouldn't trample that flag under their feet. And they wouldn't handle this nation like they do. But I'm telling you, because they don't get a better understanding of the real price that's been paid. Thank God for the church tonight. But the church wouldn't be the church without the broken body. Now watch this. I've got to become broken like it. I've got to fall on the rock and become broken like it. And if I don't fall on the rock and become broken like it, you'll see the day that that same body that was so torn, amen, and riddled and no life in it, we're going to stand and face it one day. And I'm telling you, that rock's going to fall on us and grind us up like powder. Thank God for the word tonight. It really does us good. God give us a visual. Of that broken body. It was torn. The agony, the pain, the suffering. Watch this. He'd have done it for one soul. One soul. That's the reason you and I can say, he done it for me. Sure, he done it for the world. But we can take it personally. He done it for me. Thank you, Brother Barry, for the word tonight. Let's don't let it slip away. This is what helps us keep pride out. 
It'd help us keep from our conscience becoming sheared. Becoming so calloused. When we really begin to remember what it took to bring us here. We don't have tomatoes thrown at us anymore. Rotten eggs. We don't have people running after us and ramming our heads into brick walls. And this Pentecost wasn't so popular at one time right here in this nation. There's some forefathers that paid some price that you and I just wouldn't believe. Some sacrifices. Pulling their families across this country. Depending on God. Sometimes, as Paul put it, huh, just didn't have nothing to eat. We wasn't fasting. Man, we were starving to death. It's in there. It's in there. But thank God for His blessings. But those blessings come because we remember what was prayed for us. Love you tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. What a word we've heard here tonight. What a presence of the Lord has been with us here tonight. Let me say this. You probably know more about this than I do. But please remember the Fairley family. They have really suffered some loss in the last few years. Those of you that know that L.C.'s son was the one that was killed Friday. Loosedale. That's his boy. And uh, so let's pray for them. Miss Alice, uh, they're good people. Henry is the finest fellow you ever meet. That would be the young fellow's uncle. Uh, you know, that was his boy's kill right up 57 here a few years ago. And then ALC. And, and I mean, I've just I've suffered a lot in the last few years, especially lo losing young ones, young men. So I can just imagine the effect that it's having upon them uh, after losing ALC and then how his son, especially under these kind of conditions, so let's remember them. You don't have to know them. Man, for your hearts and for us to have compassion and pray for them that God's hand would move. I tell you, there's a work right there. That's a group of people. I know. I know working at that hardware store, dealing with some of them, they need some good Holy Ghost leadership. I'm just telling you like it is. They're in a mess. We're in a mess. But I'm telling you, they are. So let's pray for them. Let's, let's ask God. Man, we worked there a little while trying to get an avenue. Uh, Sister Buford, you remember the man was in the hardware store that day and you tried to get him to let me come preach for him? That's some of the kin folks right there. Man, try to. So nobody knows, but God knows. But let's, let's pray for him. Let's, let's do what we can. Let's, let's do what we can uh, to be a light, to be a help. Man, we need one another. We need one another. The devil, if he has his way, will destroy one another. As I watch this unfold, in the direction this whole situation is turning, the Bible has taught us it's going to go back as the days of Noah. I am convinced, and I believe God gave this to me, because I had men at work would ask me why God would flood the world and destroy it. Man, but if God hadn't stepped in, and if Noah hadn't found grace, the world, through violence, would have self-destructed. And we're watching on the verge right now. It's headed in that direction. 
Amen. So let's pray. Love you. Appreciate you. Man, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Gave him. Praise God. I'm glad I have a revelation of that. How about you? His love, his mercy and grace. God, help us to display that. Help us to let it flow through us. God, help us be the conduits, the epistles that God would have us to in this end time. Young people, children, hunger for God. Thirst for the power of God. Parents, work with your children. Tell them. I'm hitting, I hit Anlin up. I said, hey, you. Don't you want the Holy Ghost? Don't you? I mention it to her. Just throughout day. I, just, I don't care if it's in a conversation or not. I just ask her all out of the blue. Bring it to her attention. Bring it to her mind. Man, you know why? I want to persuade them they can live far better with it than without it. I want to persuade them that with the help of the Holy Ghost, He'll help you at school. He'll help you at, a, at an early age to get established and grounded and anchored and settled. Don't listen to that lying devil. Don't listen to the world out there. Don't listen to that carnal mess. The best life there is to live is to live in the Holy Ghost. At 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 20 and 25 and 30 and 35 and 40, 50, 100, 110, 120. Still the best life to live upon this earth. No greater joy, no greater peace, no greater demonstration of love than the Holy Ghost filled people that has died. And hadn't just died, but, but, but as Paul put it, I died daily so the Master can have his way. My life. It's more important, it's more important than money, it's more important than physicians, it's more important. And any desire and pleasure that you can think of in this world. And this world's got to offer you. It's better. It's better. Let's live for God. Let's live for God. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. Thank God for his goodness, grace, mercy, and your presence here. Good to see everybody. Amen. All right. Birthday.